Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bows and Bullets. We got a special guest with us this week. We are here with a good friend of the show, Cole, who is a huge, huge hunter when it comes to hounds. Uh, I won't get too much into it, I don't take up his time, so with that being said, uh, Cole, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, um, work at a feed mill here local, uh, just got too many dogs at the house that turned into an obsession, I guess you would say. Um, specify mainly in English hounds, grew up in a Walker house, um, didn't like a lot of their traits that come along with the breed. Um, and then got into beagles, further into hounds that we got, gained new friends and everything, started rabbit hunting, and we shipped, shipped, shifted mainly to uh, mainly to beagles. Um, got a pregnant English at the house, so we're hoping to make us some pretty good bred competition dogs in the future. So you don't just rabbit hunt with them, right? You, you say you do competitions and stuff like that, or is that something you're wanting to get into as far as competitions? We're looking to get into competitions. Everything we do right now is um, just pleasure hunting. Um, and then it's just on from there. You just got to learn how to strike them. And, well, comp or coon hunting is going to be striking tree and all that. And then rabbit hunts, you don't really do anything. The judges do it all. They run behind the dogs and they score everything. You just sit back and talk with the other people in the cast. And, and then you find out who won. Okay. See, that's kind of interesting because I know you say that the judges are the ones running the dogs. Mm-hmm. So do you do they ever have any problems like, well, obviously my dog is going to listen better to me than he is going to listen to a judge or somebody that he doesn't know? Well, by the running, all they do is you'll, um, you'll turn them loose into a field or woods or brush pile, wherever you're hunting your rabbit dogs at. And um, they just they literally run behind them and keep up to score. Okay. They don't, they don't handle the dogs. Now, if there's something that, um, as far as I know, in ARHA, which is the American Rabbit Rabbit Hunting Association, um, that's what I'm gonna be running in. It's not as strict as AKC or UKC or anything like that. They, um, if there's a reason to recall or handle your dogs, they they just call out and say handle your dogs, and you go and you put them on the leash or whatever until it's time to turn them loose again. So they don't ever physically have hands on dogs. Okay. It's all just, uh, they got to try and see who jumps and strikes and uh, there's things called checks. Okay. So you'll hear dogs going and uh, if you see a rabbit, that'll be when they come through, they're going to take a line. So say me, you, and Jay has dogs going. They're, whoever's dog comes out first is going to be first second third so on however many dogs i want to say they run seven or eight in a pack okay and then that's how they score it between that and jump strikes and stuff like that interesting yeah i've never i actually got into a little bit of rabbit hunting behind dogs last year with a good friend of mine mark out of uh out of mansfield and i tell you it was fun it was last year was my first time running rabbits behind dogs um Growing up, I always was the dog, so <laughs> I was that I was that kid that you know, hey, go kick that brush pile, and you just hope and pray that the rabbit didn't run towards you. Uh, and I tell you what, it was really fun. I actually think this year, when we go out, uh, 
we I plan on doing some more rabbit hunting with Mark this year, and I'm gonna take my little boy out. He's uh, he'll be four this year, so we're gonna take him out on his first little little hunting trip and let him see the dogs work and run the rabbits and just kind of ease him into it. Uh, but I, I'm super excited about that. I think that's gonna be. I think he'll like that. He likes dogs and he likes being outside. Um, I just I can't wait for that. It's weird when you go from one competition style or even a style of dogs to the other. Um, like I said, I grew up in a Walker house. Stepdad always hunted stylish dogs. Uh, he wanted a real tight, tight mouth dog on the ground, and just crazy loud blow the top of the tree out tree dog. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, and you look at beagles, and the whole reason that a lot of people even go out and hunt beagles is to hear the dogs. You know, they're barking the whole, they're barking the whole time that they're on the ground, but. For me, I I grew up that way, so in turns, I like that too. Oh, um, yeah. I don't I don't want to hear a coon dog on the ground every three steps barking. I don't I don't like that. Really? But I mean, competition style dog. That that is a competition style dog. Um, you know, you you if you have too silent of a dog, from my understanding, from the people I know that competition hunt right now, they said that. Um, there is an issue with silent dogs that you gotta, it has to make some kind of noise on the track. Um, why that is, I'm not sure. And that's why I haven't started to get into the competition side of coon hunting as much. Um, my wife, she likes to show dogs, so she's working on having a bench show dog. And then, um, but as far as hunting side, I haven't got into that. The rabbit dogs just seem more simple to me. You, there ain't as many rules you gotta understand and stuff, but. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot, just not as many. Yeah. I coon hunted back in high school. Uh, old boy, I know, would uh, take me out. I never had a dog myself. Let's, so, I, I, you know, I explained that to you before the show that, you know, I think when I do end up getting to the point where I can have a hunting dog, I think I'm going to, I want to lean more towards the pheasant, mm. German short hairs, just because I, I really love to pheasant hunt. It's, it's something that... Uh, I I bonded with quite a lot with my uncle Bill up in Michigan and and he's a huge huge pheasant hunter. I mean, I, unfortunately, uh, they actually just had to put their dog Kona down recently, which was a uh, a big loss for my uncle Bill. He he loved that dog and they're to the point. He's at the point now where uh, he's up there in age and he's not sure whether or not he's going to bring another dog into it um but they they would spend weeks at a time throughout the hunting season out in kansas south dakota north dakota uh out there chasing pheasants and i guess i guess what i'm getting at when it comes to that is i just you're big into dogs and i'm really wanting to get big into dogs but i just i don't have the time and i don't have the the space for one right now what uh how many dogs do you guys got right now as far as as far as all of your, your show dogs and your hunting dogs? Strictly hunting dogs, I want to say we have somewhere, I want to say it's 10. Too um, many. Way too many. <laughs> um, I've said that for a while, but we just continue to, seems like we find good deals and we can't pass it up. That's whose fucking dogs were barking that time we were out there coon, or coyote hunting. Sound, oh, okay. Sound like a damn humane society going on over there. <laughs> That was you, huh? <laughs> if, what was you guys doing? Hunting behind the house? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were out there. I don't know if I had that big. Uh, like I said, I, 
I try and specify in the English, but if that if I had bought that Walker dog by that time, yeah, he sounds like a foghorn. You can't, I can't get past. He's, he was there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm selling him. He uh he started and everything. I just it doesn't matter shot color anything. He just won't he won't shut up. Um, that's one of those tendencies I was talking about in the Walkers that I don't like. Really? They've been bred so much to to bark. It seems like that they just don't shut up, and I can't deal with that. See that that's kind of the that's something I loved when I was coon hunting. Man, I you hear that dog strike up a trail. And it just well, there's a when it lets the whole woods know that he's on a trail. And well, I, yeah, I there's the there's a time and a place for it, you know. Yeah, I don't want a dog. I mean, a strike and a locate stuff like that, you know that that's one thing. But when as soon as it strikes and locates or whatever, and it's working that track, I don't if it bellows or whatever. However, it barks on that track, you don't want it. I don't want it to do that because, I mean, I was always told that a noisy dog, you'll see less coon because that coon knows where that dog is every step. Okay. If you have a silent dog, yeah, it lets that one out or it lets the locator, whatever you want to call it, out. And, yeah, but then up until it gets onto that coon, that coon don't know it's there is the way it was told to me. Interesting. Stepdad hunted for coon hunter for I don't even know how many years and that was one of the things longer than I've been around his stepdad's my uncle okay and we've been coon hunting since God knows when I mean Reagan was still in the White House (laughs) (laughs) yeah well unfortunately nobody really coon hunts anymore ain't nothing in it for people to coon hunt yeah bird markets are gone yeah well that guy that I uh, was telling you guys about up in Michigan um, that bought that dog food off me he, I asked him, I was like, so what do you, how do you guys even train dog? You know, down here when we train a coon dog or whatever, you know, it's, if they treat one, you shoot it out. You know, there's enough coon around that you could shoot five out a night and you ain't going to hurt the population in a season. Oh, yeah. And I asked him, I said, so how do you guys do it up there? I was like, they, I was like, they bay one, you kill it? Or, and he goes, no, up here it takes 10 years to get a bear tag. That's stupid. I don't understand how they can keep a dog on something that they don't get rewards from. Yeah. I mean, if they love to do it, sure, they're going to do it. But at some point, are you going to go to work every day for... So they hunt like, it just to treat it, pretty they, much? They don't, yeah. All right. That's it. I got you. And a lot of times, he won't even let them completely bay them just because he doesn't want them to get hurt. You know, you have... he has He has big blue taste. Like, he sent me a picture of him, and compared to, like, our English female that's bred right now, his, his dog's probably way more than her pregnant and just tall beefy and he sent me a picture of the one that actually got bit by a rattlesnake up there and i asked him I was like, what to do get bit by or get hurt by hunting the bear or whatever and he's like no rattlesnake i can't remember the type of rattlesnake but he sent me a couple videos of a dog that got attacked by a smaller bear and i can understand why because you put a lot of time and money into them dogs and oh yeah it's an investment well, that was another thing that we were always told. I'm sure you've heard it. If you ever talked about getting into coon hunting, is you have a dog every time you unleash it, there's a chance it ain't gonna come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a big thing. Oh yeah. That Running down the road. But our uncle, he uh, he had one run off a cliff down in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. They're out there. You remember D mm-hmm. cousin? All right. Well, our one uncle was hunting with him down there. Dog didn't come back brought out that little 
signal thing, you know. I can't remember what they, what they call that shit. It tells you where it's at. The whole oh, the right. Garmin oh, GPS. I don't know what it is, but I mean, we got like, a tracker. Anyway. Yeah, it's a tracker, and uh, it beep be close. You start pointing right. They point. Right oh, this. he has that old school like well, this, 80s this antenna. Was old I still, like on spot I still have now. one of those, but it's, it basically looks like uh, if you ever seen the top of a TV, old school TV antenna. Yeah, exactly what it looks like. It would fold out and it had wing nuts that you would twist down, and then, like you would change the frequency or whatever to where as you got close, like if you pointed in the direction, the closer you got, the stronger the beat got. Yeah. So he it's like a metal detector almost. Beep, beeping like some of a bitch when he pointed that cliff. <laughs> <laughs> There's a 90-foot cliff there, and he's like, oh, no. And it's like, it's like oh, I think you lost that best man. Like, you know, he heard that dog out there trying to treat us. Like, burr, burr. <laughs> you know, the one time we were hunting up uh, just north of the house there a little bit, um, right across the road from a hog barn. We actually just dropped there the other night. and We were hunting, and my brother had a dog that was finished at the time, and I was hunting a pup of mine, and she... You could tell she was going further away, but then we heard her bark, and it sounded like she was like, you could barely hear her. Uh-huh. And he pulled out. He has that style of tracker. He, I gave him, I gave, I had two systems, so I gave him one, and I think he spent like 150 bucks to get it working. David showed him how to use it, and we're like, whatever. And he was out there, beep, 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 and it was like right there, and we, we didn't know where she was, but we could hear a real faint bark. Yeah. So we, uh walked about another 15 yards it seemed and she was there was this hollow tree but at the base the like the roots or whatever it was like a big i don't even know what you want to call it but just a big opening and you could i could get on my knees and walk under there and look up into the tree but she was up like half not in the tree but her head was in the tree and she was barking at i mean it was just a den tree there's a cone up there but it sounded like she went like miles in seconds it was you know, probably being inside that tree affected the signal, probably blocked it and everything. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I've only seen them used. I've never actually used them. But I don't think he knows how to use it properly. We uh, <laughs> we went out behind the house. Um, we let loose in the little what we call the little woods. And on that other side of little woods, you got that fence row that heads south. And there's that guy's house with the pond. He's sitting there pointing, 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 whatever. We can't find this pup. It just beelined. Well, we walked clear over to 98, and he's sitting there pointing. He goes, he went across the road. And wife looked down to the right, and she goes, he's right there. And he's <laughs> laying in the ditch. <laughs> I, or not laying in the ditch, but standing in the ditch. And brother went over and hooked him up, and we got to walking back home. That was a good walk. Yeah, it is. I've walked it many a time. <laughs> well, we walked from parents' house. So that's where we started because yeah. at the time neither one of us had a truck or anything so we just everywhere we went we walked yeah I lost count how many times I walked down there to those two woods and uh so we didn't have four wheelers back in and everything and for years I'm not going to mention any names but the, if you're walking towards 602 uh one on the left okay right? yep. and uh I used to deer hunt that and I had family members, because it's not a big woods, and they were telling me for years, you're, you've lost your mind. Yeah. You've Dang lost your mind. See it, through it. It, yeah, they're like, you, there's no, it don't hold deer. So I never said it hold deer. Yeah. Like, they run through the damn thing. You know? Oh, yeah. Every year I kill them. Every year I bring them back. Next year, you've lost your mind. 
and don't hold. I'm like, did you not just see? Remember last year when I had that one? <laughs> I literally walk into this woods. This ain't no lie. But I get in there, set my shotgun up against a tree. I lay my backpack down. I unzip it. I pulled out one of them stupid little Hostess oatmeal cream pies. Opened it, put it in my mouth. I look up, and there's a damn deer right there. <laughs> That's how long I was in the woods. <laughs> I shot that thing with a damn oatmeal cream pie sticking out of my mouth. So yeah. after that, everybody started hunting it. They all, and I'm like, oh shit, I gotta find a new place to hunt now. Yeah, yeah, bunch of bandwagon jumping, you sons of bitches. But <laughs> well, you, you know that property that I hunt, that small one, I was up hanging a deer stand at this morning. It's not big at all. I mean, it's but it's like you said. It's a corridor. It's where them deer, they jump from woods to woods and field to field, and they cut through that woods because they feel safe going through there. And I've killed many a deer out of that woods. I, I killed three out of them last year. And all these bigger woods that these guys come in and they start hunting, and they just push them right into my small little woods. And yeah, it happens. And uh, my best, best place I have to hunt. Well, rule number one of hunting, get your ass in the woods. Yep. What were you saying, Cole? I don't remember now. You don't remember? Oh, that's a big thing in, in the family, though, is everybody's so opinionated until they're proved wrong. And then they want to jump. It goes way beyond proved wrong. <laughs> you got to prove them wrong family. multiple times. You gotta, yeah, and then next thing you know, they're, they're sitting out in your spot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that drives me nuts. Yeah. That absolutely. Well, that was, I was going to go put some mineral out, um, and I was going to use one of his old stands that's been up for... How long has that stand been up? 15 years, probably. <laughs> and I was going to go put some mineral out, and uh, stepdad got all mad at me and told me that it was going to ruin his spot to hunt. But the way that I've ever seen those deer move that woods, they move down that little strip right down that right down that face, it seems like. Uh, I've, I've killed deer every year out of that tree stand that I've hunted out. So he was wanting to go to that corner. Uh-huh. I was going to put mineral out down here. If anything, that's going to hopefully draw... Between that and corn, that would draw more deer coming down right past him to me. It's like, you got to be, they're going to go right past you. They have to. They're not going to walk 300 yards out into that field, hit that little dip, and pop up over a hill on me. They'll oh. come straight at me. When it's all said and done, it's a sending an animal. You don't know what it's going to do. Yeah. Okay, it's going to do what it wants to do at that time. But, yes, deer do have pattern. Okay. Rut hits, pattern's off. Okay. Them mm. bucks are, they're on the prowl. But... That's the reason why I put that stand right there. Because at this time, there was a big buck back here. All right. Now, it would walk from that one woods that's got the house in it mm-hmm. across the field, and it would cut down the, the line, all right, the woods line of the field and the woods, right in front of that tree stand. So, and plus, I like a big tree because I'm lazy and when I you know, I want comfort, you know, and I, 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 so, and I was yeah, like, I there's a big beech tree right here. And, so I put it up there, and I've smashed deer every year that I've been in there. And you got the right idea as far as mineral. Um, that area that you're talking about hunting, corn, field, everywhere. corn everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And everybody's like, I'm gonna put corn down here, and I'm like, there is 500 acres. Well, we make corn at work. <laughs> we make a thing. It's got like permission, 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 or something like that in it. Persimmons? Persimmons. Yeah, so it's supposed to be like crack for deer. It is is. crack for deer. So I was going to get that and put out, but this, I I don't know. I was watching, they were just doing YouTube stuff, and they were talking about uh, the mineral, what percentage you want to like calcium versus phosphorus or whatever. Phosphorus, potash. And to actually benefit antler growth and stuff. And you know David. 
always says you can't eat them horns. But he's, he's a meat they look hunter. good. There ain't nothing wrong with it. No, and, but they look good. Yeah, and, and if you're a meat hunter, you're a meat hunter. If you're a trophy yeah. hunter, you're, there's nothing wrong with either one. But if you're a trophy hunter, I'm going to tell you this. you got to let it live <laughs> to yeah. become a trophy. Yeah. yeah. So if you're out there and you're like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm looking for the big wall hanger this year, and you blow your buck tag out on a four or six point, it's like, well, okay, I'm not going to hack on you. But, you know. But that was my whole thing was I was looking to start. You know, like I, I was telling him before the show, you know, I was always stuck and I was always stuck dog in the woods and the bushes and stuff. I never really got a shot. Been there. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it's like, I, I want my actual decent shot at a deer and, but I want it to be a decent one. So, I mean, there's, you can't rush it and it might not even happen. But if I can do things to try and increase my odds at it happening, I'm going to do it. That's called prep. Yeah. And. That's another thing. Like when I put that stand up there uh, a decade and a half ago, <laughs> I cleared out all the saplings. Yeah. You know, so an arrow, bolt, whatever's flying through there ain't going to deflect it and everything. And it was naturally, there's a lot of big timber right there. So it kept a lot of that undergrowth from growing up. I mean, it was a prime spot. It's yeah. still, it's still pretty bare. But I've had, yeah, I went back here when we went coyote hunting and mm-hmm. it looks pretty good. And as far as hunting there, like I said, you got the, I've had more luck in Ohio with mineral and scent attractive, especially during the rut, than I have with food. Food really benefited me in a hunt when you start getting a late season mm-hmm. muzzle loader. When, yeah. and when they've got that crop taken off, yeah. yep. that's when they come in. And if you've got a nice, reliable muzzle loader, get out there. Especially in the second phase of the rut, December, okay? Um, but that's with a bow, obviously, and all that shit. But that's yeah. a good time to get in late season. And I'm trying to remember, uh, I think it's January is when muzzleloader comes in in Ohio. Yep. And it, it's Usually cold. that first weekend, I think. Yeah, it's cold, and so they move a lot. And like I said, food, bring them in. Oh, yeah. My uh, my goal with that, that food plot I put in there, uh, which I ended up using, I did today, I used uh, Throw and Grow. Mm. And by the way, if anybody from Throw and Grow, once again, listening to this podcast... We would love some free samples, all right? We will definitely make you a sponsor on this show, no questions asked. So if you want to sponsor a couple hillbillies who love to sit around and talk deer hunting, you know, send us stuff. But uh, it had a lot of late-season food source in it, so it's it's not just your clover and your brassicas, but it, uh, it had a mixture of the, the turnips, the stuff that they really get them deer in there, Mm-hmm. And sucks them in for that late season, those, those late season sugars and calories that they need to get through such a heavy winter. And one thing that I like to do, even after the season ends, um, I'll admit it, I'm a baiter. All right. I use anything I can to my advantage because number one, I don't like empty tags or unfilled tags. And number two, it's healthy for next year's deer population. I will go out and after the season has ended and once all that deer corn down at Walmart and tractor supply goes on sale because, well, let's face it, nobody's buying deer corn now that the season's over, uh, I still go out there and I put corn out because it's keeping, them, it's keeping those deer as healthy as possible, especially once you get into the late season, January, February, those does are pregnant at that point, right? They're carrying fawns for the, they're carrying the next generation of deer. And you want to keep them healthy, so I'm, I'm a big, 
big guy when it comes to feeding late into the season and even after the season. But uh, anyway, wow, that that train derailed a little bit off, <laughs> off deer or uh, off dog topics. But you uh, you were telling me you recently just became a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not pro staff, but a distributor for uh, a dog food. Uh, uh, performance dog food or value pack performance dog food. So, why don't you give us a little background on that? Why don't you tell us a little about that and uh, kind of plug them a little bit? So, right now we became the only distributor um, north of Cincinnati and Ohio for it. Um, we cover most of Ohio, um, almost all of Pennsylvania, uh, southwestern New York, I'm assuming pretty much all of Michigan and northeastern Indiana. We uh, Right now, we're supplying value-packed dog food. It's made uh, by specialty feeds down in Memphis, Tennessee, so it's American-made. Um, Family-owned for 60 years, the company is. Um, so right now, we're bringing it all in, trying to get it out there. We, I used to drive, I want to say it was three, three and a half hours for it, and then gas prices shot up. Um, and the guy that I was buying it from actually stopped selling, so I went back to Diamond. But to me, it's top-notch feed. I don't feed anything but it. All my dogs are on it. Um, it's quality feed for a price that normal people can afford. Um, See, and, and that's what we love about this podcast, what, what Jay and I do when it comes to this podcast. We want to plug, promote, whatever whatever word you want to use, right? American made. Um, support your small businesses, guys. I We're well on the tail end of COVID now, but... One thing that absolutely drove me nuts when COVID hit the way it did was Walmart was still open, but yet these small mom and pop shops had to close down. Yep. How, how does that make, how is that boosting your economy in any way? That, that's a whole another episode we could get into. It drives me nuts. But the, uh, so you guys, you say you love this dog food, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's all you feed. What, what makes this, stand out to just something you could run down to Walmart, for instance, and buy? I mean, besides the fact that it's family-owned, smaller business, um, price-wise, it's it's competitive with other other dog foods. I mean, to me, honestly, it's cheaper. Uh, we just stopped by TSC on the way over here, and the dog food that I used to feed just two months ago before we brought it in, was thirty one ninety nine for a fifty pound bag, and it's jumped up to thirty four ninety nine. So, and we have there's two lines of it. I feed the uh, what they call value pack free. Okay. So there's no corn, wheat, soy, gluten, all that. So you're actually getting you're getting a lot more nutritional value. I would say for your dogs. It's not loaded with fat, and carbs. Well, the fats are the fats up to you. Whatever you decide to feed fat to pro or protein to fat ratio. That's on the owner. Um, you know, we have everything from as high as 30, 20 for puppies down to an 18, 8 for old dogs. I mean, that's just, that's in both, that's spreading it for both lines that we have. Okay. Um, as far as the free or top one's twenty eight twenty, which is for highly active and puppies, which twenty eight twenty is what I sent to Michigan. It's a hot seller. Um, I feed twenty eight twenty to all my puppies and all my pregnant dogs. And then I feed the silver twenty four twenty to all my normal hunting dogs that I run. Okay, so you're not just you're not just selling one like 
one set bag or set formula of dog yeah. food. You've got dog food that's great for young active dogs up into your senior hunting dogs. We've got uh, eleven variations. We do eleven. Yeah, we've wow. got we've got a protein to fat ratio from everything from chihuahuas up to whatever you want to get. Okay. If you think it, you want to get a Bora bull, we got a food that'll do it. It's huh. just up to you. Wow, that's that's amazing. I may have to. I may have to get on there and get some of myself. So, can you order online, or is this something that you have to get a hold of, like you, for instance, being a distributor, and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for? If you get online and you go through it, you can inquire to buy. They'll, you'll get a phone number. You'll call. They'll send you to, they'll send you to the salesman, and then they'll just direct you to us. Um, right now. We don't have anything online for like our company alone. Okay. But we've got uh, right now we're at sixty dealers just in Ohio that we supply feed to. Okay. Um, the company I work for was started twenty five years ago by a family. Okay. It's still owned by the same family. Most of the family works there, and it's on their property right next to the owner's house. Um, okay. I actually uh, uh, we'll plug them real quick. I guess uh, Walnut Hill. Walnut Hill, I, Feeds. Walnut Hill Feeds here in Shelby, Ohio. I uh, I actually grew up in Shelby, and I graduated from Shelby High School out there. I was the uh, it's actually the last class to graduate from the old high school okay. that they had out there back in 2013. But um, the uh, so they can get a hold of you say you got 60 different distributors mm -hmm. in the state of Ohio, and obviously you said you said you shipped to Michigan, so. You don't have to be in Ohio to order this. You yeah. can get it, you know. Any state in the U.S. you can get it. Um, it's just finding, if it's not directly close to you, it's finding a distributor that will ship to you. Okay. Um, so, like, right now, it's mainly south southeastern U.S. is where it all is based, where all your main distributors is. Okay. Um, I mean, worst case scenario, if you're in California and you want to skid, We've got trucks that will deliver out there. It's just if you're willing to pay shipping and there's not a distributor around. Because we obviously, we can't step on other distributors' toes. Yeah. You know? And that's a big thing that when we were getting into it, um, the company was interested in because they had been um, selling other, other dog foods and stuff, you know, and they wouldn't protect them. You know, if they say they covered this area and there's a guy five miles outside of our area but it's closer to the guy who is in our area, they would let that guy sell to them. And I mean, as petty as it seems, I mean, that's cutting in on business. And if you want us to, if you want to continue to get money from us, you know, you got to protect our investments. Yeah. So that was, that was a big plus to this. Um, the dog food that we currently selling, um, I said, I, I feed the silver bag of 2420. Um, that's like $33 for a 50 pound bag. Um, the other feed that we sell right now that we're hoping to phase out of is like $45 for the same poundage. Okay. So if that, I mean, saving 10 bucks a bag, you buy four, you buy three bags and that's a free bag of feed basically. Wow. All right. That's, I may have to get a hold of you then at some point because, uh, I've been looking to switch from my regular dog feed to, uh, something else. My, my dog's just seem like she doesn't want to eat what I'm throwing out there anymore so maybe grab something a little bit better for her but uh, 
deer season, guys. Jay, we're right around the corner, man. I know I say it every week, but yeah, I'm, I'm too up. excited. You guys, I, I'm more of a, I've always been more of a small game. I like my squirrel hunting and rabbit hunting. Yeah, I grew I'm, up that way. And I'm excited. I'm I just September transitioned 1st. over. I like hunting, period. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, but I fell in love with, with deer hunting. And, uh, but I love hunting with dogs. There ain't, there ain't nothing like that sound. You hear them treed out there. You get a bunch of them out there on a rabbit trail and. Hell, his stepdad or uncles and all them, they used to have ringtones on their phones with the dogs barking. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. That's how heavy they were into it. We, uh, I was telling him that we just spent 1500 on that beagle there two days ago, three days ago. And uh, that dog, I, so it kind of made a pass. I, we got, there's three of us that, that hunt together here local. Um, and this guy bought him out of Michigan. Um, he bought them. I don't even know how much he paid for them. And then he ended up selling them because he said he was too big, which, I mean, AKC hunts. He's three-quarters of an inch too tall. Um, he's uh, half to three-quarters. He's 15 and a half, 15 and three-quarters inches um, from ground to weathers. So sold them to another buddy that we're, we're all friends. We all hunt together. We've all dealed dogs. Um, actually, right after this, I got to go pick up a female pup. And... Um, I ended up striking a deal with that guy. He's interested in a pup coming out of my English female that's bred, and altogether, monetary value is fifteen hundred bucks. And we took him out hunting, and you couldn't even that dog's mouth so so loud that you couldn't even hear the other three dogs we were running in with. Wow! And that's that's one of those things that that right there made me happy. That made the fifteen hundred dollars worth. Oh yeah. Yeah, I love, I love, like I said, hunting behind dogs. I think all of us, that's something all three of us here can agree on. It's, uh, I want to get better at small game hunting, right? Like, and I, I said it earlier in the podcast, but, you know, I'm taking my boy out for his first hunt this year. You know, it's maybe a couple rabbit hunts, but uh, that's, in my opinion, that's the easiest way to get somebody started into hunting is through small game it, with there's more action. There's more. There's more ways for them to get involved. How old is he? He's four. Taking squirrel hunt. Yeah. You know, tromping them woods, right time. Twenty-two. I, I don't. I think that, you know, even I remember hearing stories about growing up that my biological dad, before he died, he died when I was fairly young. Um, he had rabbit dogs, and I remember hearing stories about. He would take me and he'd have to walk a pass, but he'd still run dogs pushing the stroller with me in it. You know, I don't know <laughs> what that, you know, I, I don't remember it, yeah. but I don't know if that made me more excited the next time to go eventually later on or however it went. But I mean, even to just see the, to hear the dogs and then see a rabbit run across the opening or something to see that rabbit, it still gets me excited. Oh yeah. And it's like, he says squirrel hunt. I love squirrel hunt. You know, I'm, I'm excited for September 1st. It can't come soon enough. Yeah. I'll probably end up calling off work. It's, I mean, as stupid <laughs> as it sounds, I love, I just love going, I don't know if it's just time in the woods or if it's actually the, the harvest of a squirrel, which it ain't much, but there It's again. just a good time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I enjoy doing it. I mean, I've it. never had a bad day squirrel hunting. I started my son off, and I wish I'd have done it different, but I didn't. He became a good hunter and everything, but I started him off sitting in a tree stand bow hunting with me. Now, it's all said and done at the end of the day. That's some boring shit. It yeah. is. Right. So especially when you're a little kid. All right. That, so that might be a big reason why I'm not big into 
I haven't been big into deer hunting is I just something about ghost sitting still in the cold don't it don't appeal to me uh, I like it I still love it and uh you know after you harvest your first but the first few years you know like I said he's up there kicking the stand <laughs> I can't handle the boredom you know and then finally after he harvested one you're hooked yeah. all right it's like welcome to addiction bud oh and, yeah so and it, it makes it all worthwhile especially you get older and more mature and you realize hey you know I put all this time this effort and all this and all this experience and knowledge you know that i've gained you know it's just not as boring anymore but for probably for the first five years that he was hunting with his grandpa and me i told him said you're not a good hunter (laughs) you're a good shot (laughs) so i have to wake you up (laughs) when the deer come well he i remember that one year he came up here and hunted with us and we took him and we took him pushing and from what i remember he didn't like it I don't like pushing. I don't. I've done it till you know. Yeah, that's how I was. We well, grew. I grew up like I told you. I was the one going through the woods, dogging. That's the way I was. That's why I ain't just, doing that anymore. Uh, <laughs> I remember there was one time at points where I had there was a thicket so big and thick that he wasn't tall enough. I had to pick him up, and carry him. <laughs> we gave the we gave the gun to someone else, and I picked him up and carried him through the thicket. And then we got to the other side. I was done. See, I'm an ambush hunter. All right, you know and. Like I said, I like putting the tree stand, finding the route, bringing them in, putting the trail cameras up. That's how I hunt. There's nothing wrong with putting drives together and everything. No, if you do and it I, safely. I still do it. And if you do it safely, that's the big thing. Here. And a lot of people don't. You know, you know and that's why I tell everybody. You know, you ever heard the old story, a, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. link. Okay, yeah. well, your weakest link is a fucking idiot. All right? <laughs> There's you a throw, lot of them. And you throw one of them in there, all right? Yeah. And it screws everything up, so... Yeah, there is a lot of them out there, and that's why, for the most part, I only hunt with family. All right? I know. It's like, I know you, I know you, I know you. You'll probably feel bad if you shoot me. All right? So. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm not. That's, I'm a not big, that's a big, like, Amish and Mennonite thing, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah, I hear. Yeah. Yeah, and do. that's like the company that I work for is Mennonite owned. I get along with all of them. They're all super nice. But it just seems like if you hear a story about gun season in Ohio someone got shot oh, don't get 95% of the time it's Amish or Mennonite do not get me started on Amish and Mennonite <laughs> hunting in Ohio because I am telling you I have horror stories from public land all right I when I grew up started deer hunting right and Jay knew who's I'm talking about Mark uh, he's my my stepdad and he's the one that got me started when we first started we did not have private land mm-hmm. and we were not bow hunters we were uh we were the shotgun season warriors mm-hmm. right so anybody listening to this uh doesn't know here in ohio you get one week at the time it was only the one week now they give us the extended weekend and you can only use shotguns so back then back then yeah. now now they allow straight straight, straight wall cartridges but back then it was only uh it was only shotguns and we would go down to our local sporting goods, whether it was Finn or Sportsman's Den, mm. all right, the weekend before deer season. Get all your slugs. Well, if you could find them, <laughs> yeah. if you could find them, because you would have the Amish or the Mennonite that were drove in, all right, by the Yoder Toters. <laughs> they would come in and they would buy up pallets of deer slugs at a time. And it's that, that's all they would do is they'd come through that public land and they would push that woods flat. Mm-hmm. 
And it doesn't have to be a deer that they shoot. I just, no. They see a stick fall, they're shooting the whole family. Yeah. And, you know, there's, Sound shooting. there's 37 <laughs> Levi's and 18 Eli's, and it's just all shooting oh. at the same stick. Yeah. Well, and the way it, here's, they have like eight kids apiece, all right? So if they shoot one, <laughs> we got to shock more. it up as a mulligan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I'm just joking on that one there. But it's not, it's not just them. There ain't nothing wrong with drives. And, uh, Growing up, and your stepdad can attest to this. We knew families. I mean, they got all their cousins, all their exactly uncles, all, and they they get out half drunk. Maybe tossing <laughs> bush lolly cans. That's the biggest. <laughs> that's the biggest thing is you know you go out to the gas station up uptown, and you know we got yeah. two stop signs and a gas station. And they buy all the beer out of the gas growing. station before they buy the damn slugs. Out of the <laughs> <laughs> you go up there, and you'll see six of them getting into the same truck. Every single one of them have that hunter orange bush light box going right into the bed. <laughs> You know, and it's like, it's... I mean, it's like, are you fucking stupid? How yes, yes, yes. And it's like, you'll see it, and it's like, it's at one time. It's, you know, you, you get out of the woods at, you know, the, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock probably. And then by 12, 30, if you're in town by 12, 12, 30, you're seeing them all leaving. And then you'll drive by their house, because I know the one family lives local, and that's probably someone you're talking about. They're probably. all sitting out there talking, or drinking and talking. And then you'll go by, when you're coming back, they'll be on getting out of the truck with their guns. And it's like, I mean, if that's how you want to do it, I suppose, but stay away from me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how I look at it. And, uh, but also, that's why I'm not big on drives. And if you do it safely, and there, you know, like Colt said, that's his preferred method. There's nothing wrong with that method. It's I don't know if it's legal. my preferred or if it's just <laughs> well, how I got stuck it. doing yeah. it. <laughs> Especially if you're a meat hunter, you know, and you run them out and yeah. you shoot them and all that stuff. But, I mean, if, if you're a trophy hunter, you've got to get out there, especially during the rut. Yeah. The gun season isn't in during the rut, not in Ohio anyway. So you've got to get out there with a bow. Well, yep. in uh, Ohio is like youth season where they could use a gun like right – like right at the tail end. I want right to say it? it's yeah, it's. I want to say it's like two gun weeks. season, ain't it? Two or one. No, or two it's about two weeks. Yeah. It's right, but it's the weekend before Thanksgiving, I think. Like last year, I think it was the seventeenth and eighteenth. Yeah, so I, so I say know it's like right I have rough here because it runs in during Kentucky's gun season. Gun season. Yeah. So it's during that time. I know that, and I I hear a lot of people complain about, especially gun hunters up here, because they think that these people get the youth out there and they get them all stirred up spooked and it's all fine and dandy when it's their kids doing it but when they're 60 years old old and miserable and all dried (laughs) up they can't go out there with their kids and do it yeah you know it's when it's benefiting you it's fine Mm -hmm. but when you got to sit back and spectate you're going to get butter Mm -hmm. there's no point because if kids can't get out there and hunt how are they going to learn uh, yeah, how are they ever going to get interested and you know it's always someone else's fault too Mm -hmm. when you hear a lot of (laughs) A lot of hunters complained about it. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, I got out there and I didn't see squat. And I was like, well, it's because you waited until gun season and only hunted gun season. And, yeah, you didn't see shit. All right? So <laughs> get out there with a the bow mean, or go somewhere else that has a different gun season, a different state, and, you know, break the norm. You know, funniest Absolutely. thing, you mentioned Kentucky. We went down there. Oh, man. That was six years ago we didn't go down hunting we went down four-wheeling mm-hmm. and i didn't realize what all you guys had down like what all you guys had down there because if you go down that road there's that like where you could turn left and it's like no longer a road i don't know if it got washed out or what but mm-hmm. we went down there on four-wheelers and we were just cruising and 
I out of nowhere, biggest turkey I've ever seen in my life oh, jumped up, turkey. scared the shit out of me. You know how long I've been trying to get him to let me go down there and turkey hunt? And you ain't going. <laughs> I've never yeah, hunted. That's family. Oh, yeah, and I'm related to him. <laughs> I've never. Yeah, I've never. I mean, I think I think your dad asked me. I don't know how many years ago, and it's it's a very very complicated situation down there. So it, it literally is family owned. Yeah, and that's not my call. And it's oh, yeah. above us, you know. I know. I yeah. just like to give you shit. No, I know. <laughs> and uh, but it's. We put a lot of time, a lot of effort. I mean, years worth. Uh, I've been down there. Especially my dad. I mean, you you look at, those aren't pasture fields. Those are food plots. Yeah. And. Well, I remember whenever like that first started, he was going down, maybe not every weekend, but it seemed like every other maybe. Yeah, we were both. Yeah, there was one year I went down every other weekend the entire year. And, but you look at uh, what we've set up there between, like I said, food plots, Mm -hmm. feeders, the tree stands we've got up there, um, and it goes beyond just that. It goes to the comfort of the living conditions. You know, when we started hunting in Kentucky in the late '90s, we we had a cabin down here, which we don't have access to anymore. But there was no electricity, mm-hmm. no indoor plumbing, no water of any kind, no AC. Wasn't that like your old like grandparents or something like that? No, he built it. He built it on our great aunts, which would be his oh, aunt. Okay. okay um, he built it on there, and it was one of those handshake, word of mouth, because that's the type of people they were, just good, yeah. honest people. And it's like, that's yours, it's given to you, you build whatever you want to, that's yours. They were never using it anyway. And so he built this beautiful cabin on there. And a couple of years after he built it, I started going down, and that's when the deer hunt became a family thing. Mm. And But it was hard hunting down there. I oh mean, yeah, it, the hills and hollers. We didn't have four wheelers. I mean, we walked it, and Kentucky is just an absolute temperamental bitch. I mean, you go down there, and it might be seventy degrees in November, okay, and then it might be twenty. Yeah. So I remember going out in the mornings where it's cold, very cold, and I'm bundled up. And by the time midday gets there, I'm literally throwing my outfits like in the woods. I don't need this. You know, yeah. it's 70 degrees out, I'm sweating, <laughs> you know, and I got two miles to walk straight uphill. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I don't need this either. And I guess I didn't recognize, realize that you guys have been hunting down there that long. Yeah. I thought it was like all last 15 We took years. over the property that we hunt now in 2011. Yeah. Okay, and just the cabin gone. Don't even go over that area anymore, and... When we did this one, uh, we realized what we had access to. We were we were blessed, mm-hmm. and I loved watching hunting shows. Here's the thing about a hunting show, though: the vast majority of them that you see these people go on, they're going to game farms. Yeah, yeah. they're going to ranches. It's all fenced in. Outfitters, yeah, clubs. Okay, it's not you and I going out here to the woods that we have property or permission to go inside and all that other stuff it's you know a lot of them are guided and everything else and a lot of them really aren't wild animals they're cat okay brood deer but that's not every show mind you and so we're like we've got we've got the area let's make our own outfitters club Mm -hmm. you know and instead of putting up one feeder one food plot let's turn that and you know into what we've always wanted and we did. I mean, there's fruit trees down there and everything else. But like I said, it's a, 
didn't didn't he the owner that owned that or whatever didn't he end up selling most of that other stuff off or that whole company down there yes I, i'm not going to get this that's somebody else's personal business but yes he sold the vast majority of that's why that's like that. i said it's a very complicated scenario down there and like we can't it's pretty much like i said family only your stepdads went down there and he went down there this last year i think uh, a year before, I think, wasn't it? I thought it was this year. Like, well, like last hunting season. I'm trying to think here. He went down for, because he brought... Uh, brought that 44 mag, didn't he? No. He brought his uh, 350. Because he brought your, what, great uncle? Yes. Yeah. Yes, you are. Yes, that was this past one. Not that so was like two or three years ago that he had that 44. Yes. Yeah. Been so many of them, it's kind of hard to remember all of them. And where'd our host go? What's he doing over there? But I don't know. He's telling us to keep going on. That was the end of that subject. I don't know what to talk about that. Uh, we're actually getting down to the end of it here. We only got 10 minutes. Anchor won't let us do any more. Well, you need to wrap it up, then. Is there any questions you want for him? Um, where can where can they find your uh, dog food at, I guess? like, Is there any number or anything they can call to get a hold of? They can call me. Um, directly on my cell phone. Uh, that'll be 419-617-8959. Um, or you can just Google Walnut Hill Feeds in Shelby, Ohio, and they'll give you their phone number. Um, I would tell you it, but I'd probably get it wrong. And they sell more than just dog food, correct? Yeah, we got your, if you want stuff to bait deer, if you, if you got livestock, you got cats, you got dogs, anything, any animal that you that you have that you have to feed if you call us we can either a already have it on hand or we can get it in oh good we got people that come in from for floating fish food and alpaca pellets to canary and parakeet feed <laughs> shit i'll never use <laughs> <laughs> Throw that bird seed out with your deer feed, and you might attract something new. It might. I don't know. Like I said, I've down south Kentucky. I've had a lot of luck with food bait, and I oh, just man. I just stick with corn. You know, it's not like up here where there's fields everywhere or just one gigantic food plot. It's down there. It's rock. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, it's just lots and lots of rock. So you find a spot where there's acorns and I was like hey <laughs> here I'm good you know oh yeah start putting other stuff out there and they come up and like hey man what's this wonderful stuff you know and they'll keep coming oh yeah well uh, unfortunately guys we're gonna have to end it here we're running out of time and uh Jay won't you hit us with your advice that you always at the end of every episode take a kid hunting I'd rather hunt with a kid than a fool Pass on the tradition. Cole, do you got anything you want to, any hunting advice, you know, anything you want to pass on to anybody listening to this? If it ain't with a hound, it probably ain't the right style. <laughs> Spoken like a true houndsman, I guess. Uh, and I'm just going to leave you guys with the, my regular is to, you know, sit still and shoot straight, all right? Back in the day, we didn't have all these, they didn't have all the special camos and, you know, everything like that. Red flannels. Red flannels was the go-to, so. <laughs> and they killed plenty of deer with it. So, remember, guys, sit still, shoe straight. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Make sure you check us out on social media. 
We're going to be start posting videos to YouTube. We're also uh, on TikTok. And head over to YouTube and check out Forever Waterfowl, also on TikTok, Instagram. And get ready. Season's almost here. So other than that, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll catch you on the next one.